If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know that we cover issues from across on-farm right through to marketing. And in this episode, we cover both ends of the wool supply chain. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So in a minute, we'll head to Meat and Livestock Australia's Southern Australian Livestock Research Council conference and hear from a young wool grower with her ideas and vision for the industry. But first, let's head to a rocky mountain top. What does it take to climb the new heights? To face into danger? To comfort what's most precious? What does it take? It takes an Aussie wool grower to make the best wool in the world. So that's an ad that's being shown around Australia on many mainstream media platforms as well as social media. It's linked directly to many Australian wool products and obviously showing wool's versatility in outdoor wear, protective wear, next to skin and baby wear. Another global campaign launched very recently starts with a much more confronting image. Imagine people struggling to climb out of a swimming pool full of black crude oil. So the video reminds people that every 25 minutes an Olympic-sized pool of oil is used to create synthetic clothing and by choosing wool, people are supporting a renewable and biodegradable natural fibre. It's a very simple message. You can check both campaigns out online through Woolmark and Wool Innovation social channels. Okay, so we head to MLA's SALRAC conference. That's the Southern Australian Livestock Research Council. It was formed in 2015 to gather feedback on research, development and adoption for sheep and grass-fed cattle producers across New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania and from Queensland sheep producers. Australian Wool Innovation's General Manager of Research, Jane Littlejohn, headed along with young wool grower and AWI breeding leadership graduate, Catherine Bain of Western Victoria. And Jane started by asking Catherine what she got from that breeding leadership experience. I loved it. I found it very educational and a very good networking opportunity. I met lots of amazingly passionate people in the wool industry that I'm very excited to keep in contact with into the future. And today um, we've had the Southern Australian Livestock Research Council um, conference and they've been discussing a whole of sort of futurism and scenarios for, for I suppose, future um, livestock production. Has breeding leadership helped you, or any of the skills that you gained in breeding leadership, has it helped you um, tackle the, the workshop challenge we've had today? I think so. I think uh, part of the breeding leadership course was looking at how we face challenges and opportunities that are coming into the industry and one of those things was thinking above the line and being open-minded and just wanting to take on information and I think that kind of mindset today has been really good because we're talking about a lot of things that we can't quite grasp yet and we don't know how they're going to work in the future and so being open-minded and 
just thinking of the opportunities and how they can help us in the future has been a great help for today. And on your table, what was the scenario that you were looking at? So my scenario we're looking at is about robots and how ro robotics and automation can help producers be more efficient on farm. Uh, we've had lots of great discussions from robotic dogs to what some of the other things we talked about are virtual fencing and sensors to help with management tools. And we were having a chat over dinner, weren't we, about um, even just sheep handlers and, and different um, different systems. So on, on your place, you're managing um, your family farm. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, not quite managing yet. Dad's still there, keeping an eye on things. Um, but definitely we are mostly a merino operation now. We have a few prime lambs left. Um, but yeah, in the fine wool sector, we run about 10,000 sheep. About two and a half of those are merino weathers that we run on uh, some conservation country that we are managing for biodiversity uh, and aiming towards a self-replacing merino flock. And so um, in terms of the sort of technology or automation and what, what improvements have you made to try and become more labour efficient? Yeah, great one. So I'm very lucky in that Dad has done a lot of work with that before I came home. So one of the big things we did was put in a new wool shed back in 2005. We did a lovely five stand raised board, fully undercover set of yards, uh, proway yards. We've got a um, sheep handler, we have automatic weigh crates and we've been using EID tags for about 15 years. Um, and that, some of that data we are really utilising now and it's helping us make decisions into the future. And so with the data, who does the analysis for you? Uh, me. <laughs> and what sort of questions are you posing yourself? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so I'm very lucky to have had got a business degree from Marcus Oldham and have a little bit of experience with Excel and using some of those data management tools. Uh, so at the minute, I'm, uh, yeah, I love Excel too. So I love a good Excel spreadsheet and uh, love the opportunity to get into the data and see what we can pull out of it to uh, make our business de business decisions. I love to hear that. Data and using it, love it. <laughs> um, now you mentioned um, a conservation area. So you're on a sustainability pathway, are you? Yes, we are. Uh, so uh, my parents were very lucky about 20 years ago um, that they had a friend who was in the who was an ecologist and uh, alerted them to some of the rare flora and fauna species that we have in what is called the temperate volcanic grasslands, which is spread across the west of Melbourne to nearly the South Australian border and there's only 1% of this grassland left and we're very lucky to have a portion of it that we are actively trying to protect and improve and we have been very lucky with the help of some ecologists and other organisations to actually really get it, go full steam ahead in preserving that grassland. And are you telling your story? 
we're trying to <laughs> to the marketplace <laughs> uh, yeah that that's the plan um, we're currently you know looking down the RWS pathway with our our wool and yeah hoping to tell a story through that and you told me also um, uh, have done lifetime year management yeah yep uh, very lucky that dad has been on board with a lot of those types of programs right from the start and I basically have just fallen into them following in his footsteps. So where do you get your information from? Lots of places. <laughs> um, <laughs> information in terms of... Anything life. to do with your business? Yeah, uh, so we have some very good advisors that we use with our like livestock agents. Um, we've got some very good... Uh, agronomists that we use to help with our pasture decisions we have a continuing life after lifetime you group that meets six times a year still with a vet who helps us with a lot of the animal health decisions um, and a very good accountant and a bank manager <laughs> that sounds like a team I'm really interested in the life after lifetime you management so um, is that was that driven by your coordinator or really driven by you guys as farmers? Uh, I think mostly the, mostly the farmers. So I only really came into it uh, last year, but the group that Dad was a part of, they saw the value in maintaining their touch, I guess, on condition scoring sheep and assessing pasture and recognised that keeping that up to date and in check was a really important thing to not get too complacent just on your own property and the other added benefit is that it's a very safe place to share any issues that you're having animal health issues or just general concerns um, and we get to talk through it as a group with the coordinator and hopefully come up with a solution that's fantastic i'm very impressed with that so um i suppose uh, what have, you're young younger than me anyway <laughs> um, what advice would you have for um, a young person in terms you know in terms of really accessing information or programs or expanding their network in part of the wool in industry are there some easy ways of doing that yeah um, let me think I want to give a good plug to the Young Farming Champions here because uh, I've been a part of that group for a number of years now and they have been, uh, they are, a, it is a very good organisation to get your leadership skills up in the industry and also gives you an opportunity to talk to mostly people in urban areas and get some fresh blood into the wool industry, which is always good. Um, and it's also a great network of people to be working with. Uh, other aspects, just go to anything and everything you can get your hands on, basically. Just put yourself out there at any opportunity you can get. Excellent. And um, we'd be certainly interested in, in any ideas for <laughs> that AWI can pick up on for um, encouraging young people to expand their skills and... Um, um, and provide that network. So I hope you enjoy the next or day two of the Sailrack uh, conference. 
Um, it's lovely that you could come at our invitation and participate and represent wool in the Southern Australian Livestock Research Council. So thank you very much, Catherine, and um, enjoy tomorrow. Thank you very much. The enthusiastic voice of Catherine Bain, a young wool grower from Western Victoria at the Salrat Conference there with Jane Littlejohn, Head of Research at AWI. So I'm very lucky to have someone as senior as Jane doing interviews for this podcast. So thank you very much, Jane. And Catherine mentioned the Young Farming Champions and Breeding Leadership, but alongside that, we have the Nuffield Scholarship, Hay Inc, school weather competitions, and there are many ways to engage young people with the wool industry. You'll find them all at wool.com. So that is a pretty diverse episode. Hope you liked it from me, Murray is coming. Thanks again for having a yarn with me. Today.